0: Before getting into today's episode, we'd like to thank Mac Performance PT for sponsoring the Walk-On Pod. For more on their services and contact information, click the link in our Instagram bio where you will be led to their website. Mac Performance PT, helping Sacramento athletes live life without limits. Thank you for tuning back into the walk-on pod. Uh luckily for you guys, we got another special guest. Uh we got another special guest coming from the Killer Instinct Hoops catalog. Uh I know I say that we 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 circled through it, but you know, we got a fun one for you guys today. We got Annie Malekos with us
1: today. Uh she's got a great story, and I can't wait
0: for her to tell it. Uh Annie, thank you for uh being on here with us.
2: Oh
3: yeah, absolutely. Of course.
1: Yeah, thanks, Annie. Or as her mother and father would know her, Annabelle. Yes. <laughs> Let's go.
3: Jared's yeah. one of the only people that calls me
2: that. Yeah. That, yep, actually,
3: like, most people don't know my name is Annabelle. And then yeah. he'll yell it at me or something when we're training. And, he's, and everybody's like, what? Who is he talking to? That's me. That's me. I, think,
0: that. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. You know, yeah. Tommy gets the James treatment. I get the Lucas treatment. So, yeah. yeah.
2: We, yep, all, <laughs>
1: yep. we all
0: yeah.
2: know
1: how it goes. It's a rite of passage.
3: It really is. Yeah.
1: Jared, do you have another name we can call you by? or? <laughs> Uh, not, not, no.
2: <laughs> Anywho,
0: um, yeah. right. any, I know we, we gave you a little bit of a, a rundown, but the floor is yours. Um, Go whatever direction you want with it and we'll go from there.
3: All right. Well, for most of you guys that haven't heard this before, I, uh, I've had a ton of surgeries. I actually just last week had my 11th surgery. So uh, my journey has kind of been different than most people's uh, playing basketball and trying to play college ball. So, I uh, was diagnosed with hip dysplasia in sixth grade and which basically means that my hips didn't form all the way. So I had almost no bone coverage on my hips. So the only thing holding them together was muscle. And so I wasn't supposed to be playing basketball. And this was actually around the time when I start I met Jared and started training with him. And um, I was kind of going through the process of figuring out what that would look like for playing. Cause it was something that I was passionate about and I wanted to play in college since I was in fourth grade. And I was like, this is my dream. This is, has to happen. It, it has to happen. And so I kind of uh, was figuring out with the doctors, what that would look like. And they said until my growth plates close that I can keep playing. But uh, when, when my gro- growth plates close, that's when I got to have the surgeries. And then that, past that, I'm done. I'm not playing. And so I had my I had my basically my middle school years to play. And so I played in sixth grade. I played in seventh grade. I played eighth grade at Slutter Middle School, which was great. Heading into my surgeries, I. Uh, basically what the surgery looked like was they had to reconstruct my entire hip socket. So they cut my entire pelvis, rotated it, added bones, like full reconstruction. After coming out of that surgery, I had six screws that were about this long. I actually should have brought them. I could have showed. They are about uh, six inches. Show and tell. That would have been literally a first time <laughs> In the, In my hips for six months. And um, for the first, like following that surgery, I had like about three months on bed rest and Jared actually came in to the hospital. I was in the ICU for two weeks after the surgery. Um, cause again, like my hip was basically disconnected from my body while it was, while the bones grow back together. That's like what the process was. And so Jared actually came in and, and was supportive through all the surgeries that I had. And, uh, so following that, I was kind of expecting that I was going to play. Like, I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And my, my surgeon was like, hell no, you're not playing. Like you're done. You don't get it. You're done. Like this surgery is too big it's life-changing, like you're not gonna be able to do this. And he was very like, kept it real with me and not in a way that's like trying to put me down, but like just being very realistic. He's like, you have to be realistic about this. And that was my freshman year of high school that I had that surgery. So going into high school, I expected to play regardless of what people were saying. And so in order to make that happen, I had to like put the work in. And so I started PT, I did PT three times a week, four times a week um, at physical therapy. And then I was doing it four times a day at home. Like, my mom was on the couch with me, working out with me, trying to figure out how the, I can make this happen and how I can get back to where I want to be. And it, in the meantime, I still got six screws in my hip. And so I went in for my six-month checkup, and I was kind of like the moment that I would know if I was going to play or not. And season for our high school had already started there about halfway through. And I wanted to jump in and play. I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And I walked into the doctor's office, and he was like, hey, so, like, how are you feeling? We looked at your x-rays. You're looking like you're healing up good how's things feeling? And I told him, I was like, I want to play basketball. I was like, so let me know if I can do that. And he, he kind of gave me some tests. He's like, do some squats. Let's run up and down this hall. And he looked at me and he was like, I don't know how you did this, but if you want to play, you can play. And I got cleared. And so I was like, this is it. I'm playing. So going into high school, I, I played on JV, but as soon as I came back, I started and was like, I was ready. Like I had been putting the work in before he told me I could play, I was, like, in the ball, in the in the, in the garage dribbling, like, working out, trying to get as strong as I could to come back and do that. And I was on limited minutes, so he was, like, you can play 20 minutes, and that's it. And he's, like, I'm, like, limiting your minutes, so I would play exactly 20 minutes in my games, and it'd be done. And that's how it started out. And then <laughs> uh, over summer I played. It was, uh, like,
1: regardless <laughs> – I want to interject. It was, like, regardless of score. It would be, like – it would be, like, yeah. a two-point game. And like yeah, the timer would go off and the coach would have to sub Annie out and the look on your JV coach's face was like,
3: just it like, was bad. we're
1: going to, yeah, yeah, this sucks.
3: <laughs> it was really bad. So it was like, yeah, my, my, uh, my teammates were so happy when I was coming back. Cause it was like, I was, I was there for everything. Like I went to every practice. I went to everything that I could. I went and showed up in a wheelchair and was running this shot clock. Like I was in the gym doing everything I could to be a part of the team because I knew it's what I wanted. And so going into the next year, I had the exact same surgery on the other side, again, expecting like I'm going to play like I'm going to play again. And this time I was like, I'm going for I'm going on varsity Like as I'm, I'm playing on varsity for the next three years. And this is going into my sophomore year. I had the same surgery in this time. Unfortunately, leading into when I was playing over summer, I was getting a bunch of calf pain in my left side and I had no idea why. My like, calf pain, like i would be halfway through playing and it felt like somebody was stabbing me in the leg. And I kept telling my dad, I was like, I feel like I have cancer in my calf. And like, I wasn't even kidding. I was like, I feel like I have something's wrong with my calf. Like, I don't know why. So I go into this surgery and I have my hip operated on on my calf. And they actually have what's called like a a nerve block. Like they actually tap your spine. And like, I was supposed to feel nothing from the waist down for the like a week after the surgery. So I have this nerve block in and three days after surgery, I come out of this and I'm like, screaming at doctors because I'm getting this like unbelievable pain in my calf and I'm like there's something wrong with my calf there's something wrong you guys need to fix this I'm like I'm ripping tables off like it was like something out of a movie I'm not even kidding I was ripping stuff off the counters like throwing things I was like you guys have to do something to fix this it's like there's something wrong with my calf and I, I kind of described it as like there was somebody that took a blade lit it on fire and stuck it in my calf and is dragging it up and down the length of my shin. I was like, so you guys need to go out and figure out what this is. And my surgeon was like, there's two things that could be happening. Like I hit a nerve that something's wrong. I hit a nerve in your hip and we're going to have to undo the surgery. And you're basically never going to be able to walk again. He's like, or something's going on, like actually in the muscles in your calf. And so I went, uh, this is three days after my surgery. I went across the street. I was at Shriners Hospital for the surgery. I went across the street to UC Davis and got an MRI. And it was a three and a half hour MRI. <sighs> and it completely take me off my pain meds because I couldn't, I couldn't take medicine across to the hospital, the other hospital. Three hour MRI. I passed out like on and off the entire time because of the pain. I like couldn't ha- handle it. And they were like, "You got to sit still. You got to sit still." I was screaming the whole time it was like so traumatic because the pain was just unbelievable. And so they were like freaking out and they're like, why is she screaming so much? Like her calves, she had surgery on her hip I thought. And so we come back and get the results from the MRI. And what it showed was that I had nerve function from my hip, like from obviously the rest of my body, but from my hip down to my knee and then past my knee, there was nothing. There was no function. There was no nerves responding. Nothing was like working how it should. Um, And so they were like, we don't know what's going on, but we need to take her into surgery right now. And my doctor came over to my parents and and he was like, I don't know what to expect when I go in there, but there is a possibility that she's going to lose her leg. And so we went into the surgery and like, my parents are like in the, in the lobby of the hospital, like praying, it was like a six and a half hour surgery, something like that. And um, Mm. when they cut from the top of my, or like the bottom of my knee, all the way past my ankle. Um, to open up because it was an exploratory surgery they had no idea what was going on and basically what they found was that my uh I had what's called compartment syndrome which is like where your muscles swell so much that it it like your your body can't expand that much and it starts to choke it off so my body was actually killing the muscles in my leg because they were swelling so much and like they had no idea why this was happening but my, I lost 30% of my calf muscle and 20% of my ankle muscle from having them just be the oxygen cut off. And that's what I was feeling was the muscles were actually dying in my leg. And so he was like, if you had had this for two, lo- two hours longer before we operated, you would have lost every muscle in your leg. And he's like, and because we caught it and, and decided to operate, like you're going to be able to, to save your leg, but you're never going to walk without a brace. You're never going to play basketball again. He's like, this is not, Like, I got to be straight up with you. And it was like the hardest thing I've ever had to hear because at that point I couldn't move my, I couldn't even lift my foot up. I had no muscles left to lift my foot up and lift my, my toes up. And so I was sitting there like, and this is like Jared, when Jared came in and I'm like dying, like (laughs) freaking out. Jared's like, what's going on? My parents are kind of explaining the process and, and they're like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And so at this point, like I was the angriest I think I've ever been in my life. And um, I had a lot of pain meds too, so I think I was pretty pretty upset with everyone around me. <laughs> but um, the last I was, I ended up having uh, because it was so swollen, they couldn't close the wound. So I had th- three extra surgeries on it. Follow the next three days in a row, they went back in and cleaned out muscle and tried to get the swelling down. Went back in, same thing. Finally, on the last surgery, they were able to to close it up. I had eighty six sutures down my the length of my calf and um and I had this boot that kind of held my foot up so that's where I left at the hospital and I walked out of there and I had the same mentality even though they had told me like this is it you're done you're not gonna play I was like I lifted my foot up about this much out of the hospital like a centimeter and I looked at my dad and I was like I'm gonna play again I will I'm gonna play again and I was like and I am gonna get a scholarship I'm going to play basketball in college and it was it wasn't even worse recovery like Every day was PT, like from morning till night PT, morning till night PT, like recover, recover, recover. It wasn't even about basketball yet. It was just get your body to a place where you can get rid of this boot. Because until, for about three months, I couldn't even lift my ankle by myself. I had to wear the boot where it would actually attach to my shoe and lift my ankle for me. When well, you and didn't so even I, go to school,
1: right? Like, you like, you didn't go to did school, school and, did all your online Like, you did all school outside of you. Yep, did PT everything was on
3: online. Um, That's when
1: I was coming to the house.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could not. I couldn't go to school. I was in a wheelchair. Like nothing. Nothing was happening for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: For again, for just the hip surgery, it's three months before I can even put weight on it. That's how severe like the the recovery is. So three months, I couldn't put weight on it. In a month, I had a a post op checkup with my with my doctor, and um, I walked into that do- like I walked into the appointment. I got up out of my wheelchair and walked into the appointment, and I told him I was like, I took my boot off. I threw it and I lifted my ankle and he, and he literally looked at my doctor looked at me and was like, how are you doing that? He's like, I don't even understand how you're doing that because I took the, the muscle that you use to lift your ankle died. He's like, so how are you lifting your ankle right now? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm playing basketball in two months. When we start season, I'm playing. And he looked at me and he was like, I, I can't even say no to that because I like this is unbelievable. He was shocked. He like actually teared up and started crying because he's like, I've never seen somebody go through this hip surgery alone and come out and be able to play. And for you to be told like, you, you're you not gonna walk again without a brace. You walk in here take your brace off and start walking around this hospital room. Like this is unbelievable. And it just like really was my mentality it was just like, I'm gonna make this happen. And I couldn't have done it without everybody in my life that was so supportive. But the two months later, I went back into the doctor. He told me I'm good to play. And they gave me the option Uh, Coach Lynn, I was ready for tryouts. Like I actually participated in tryouts and I played at Folsom High School and Coach Lynn was like, you have the option to play on JV and play a lot. And he's like, or because I was very, very, very slow after coming back from this, or you can play on varsity, but I just don't know how much you're going to play. And I like kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I want to play varsity. Like I really do. But I also am in a place where I'm like, the slowest person on the floor right now because I can't I laterally I couldn't move it was just it wasn't there for me I didn't have the strength yet and so I chose JV I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start on JV and and work my way up to that I didn't have limited minutes I was able to play right away and I think it lasted probably a week or two that I was on JV and then they were like okay let's go back up to varsity so I went back up to varsity and then from that po- I was playing with Kenzie Forbes at that point from that point forward I played I played varsity but Unfortunately, that's not where the story ends. So those were my, at that point I had had four cast surgeries and two hip surgeries. I had to go back in to get the screws out for both sides. So that was two extra surgeries on each side to just to get the screws out, which was a much shorter recovery, but still about, I would say six weeks before you can walk and then recover from there. So my going into my junior year I had another one and it, it or I guess it was at the end of my uh sophomore year because junior summer is when I actually finally was able to play AAU and like try to actually go get a scholarship and I traveled my junior year and uh ended up picking up I think about eight scholarships and was able to choose kind of where I wanted to go. None of them more than, I think I had one D1 from like a small school in New York and then the rest were NAIA schools. And um, I kind of got, got to choose from there. But at that point I was like, I did it. Like I finally did it after all of this hard work and this perseverance and like just the pure grind and dedication, like it really was cause it was mentally like everyone was telling me you're not gonna do this, you're not gonna do this. And I was like me and like my dad and Jared and like my coaches were the only people that were like, I think she can actually do this. And I remember getting like, when I finally got the call to get my like first offer, I called Jared. Like I had literally got on the phone with, he was the first person I called. I was like, I got my first offer. I got my first, like, we like, we're doing this. Like, this is insane. And it was really cool. It was just a big moment. And um, I'm still getting surgeries now. So, I mean, I ended up committing and playing at UC Merced for uh, a year and I was like really grinding my senior year and into, um, into my first year of college where I was it felt like I was finally getting quicker and faster and and uh, my body was finally in a place where I felt healthy. Like for the first time, I, w- I felt like myself again where I was quick and I was getting like, I was able to rep as much as I wanted to at the gym and like I was lifting and like doing all these things that I really couldn't do before. And I felt like I was finally hitting my groove. And like I, I went to school, I got to UC Merced and I went from being the slowest person at Folsom to the fastest person at UC Merced. And defensively, like, like the, the the difference was like unbelievable. And part of that goes to my coach at UC Merced, Coach Sarah, she, she put us through like these insane workouts. She's now coaching at Monterey Bay, but um, I actually got hurt there because of how much we were working out. And like I was tolerating it for like about six months. I was tolerating our our rigorous schedule of like get up at 6 a.m. run for two hours, go lift for two hours and then have a three hour practice. And I was tolerating it, but it got to a point where my body was just kind of saying like, all right, this is this is a bit much for you. Like I don't know how much you're gonna be able to do. And I uh I hurt my what's called a hip flexor. So it's like one of the main muscle groups in your hip that goes all the way into your back and it it uh it basically is what lifts your leg up and so when I was in Merced I injured it really severely and for six months I couldn't play again and this time it was like a different type of pain it was like I would sit down after like I would still try to work out and, like, I would do my PT and stuff, and I'd try to go to practice, and then I'd sit down, and I couldn't stand back up for the, for six hours, like, I just couldn't stand up for some reason, it was too tight, my leg wouldn't straighten out, and I was, like, I don't know what's going on with, this isn't right, and so I ended up having to stop playing, and I came, and I transferred to Folsom Lake, and I told Coach Sarah, like, I was, like, I'm coming back, but I need a year to recover and figure out what's going on with my leg, and I played it, I uh, was going to PT, and I was playing at Folsom Lake, and I had a unfortunately had a really bad experience there and um, just had some like abusive relationships with the coaches and some of the players on the team and it was just not a good environment for me to be in and so I halfway through that season I left and uh, that's when I was told that I was also not gonna um, that I was gonna have to have another surgery and that for, for some reason you, you have 10 surgeries and then you have a hip flexor release and you can't play anymore. And so it's like, he told me I'm going to go in and I'm going to cut your hip flexor and make it longer. But because it's longer, it's going to be a lot weaker and unstable. And because of that, this surgery, is it's too dangerous to play for you. And he's like, so this one, like, no matter how hard you try and how much you can, like you think you can do it, like for your safety, it's not okay. Like if, if you make your decision to, to have this surgery, you're done playing. And so I had to choose. And at this point, Coach Sarah was reaching back out to me and she had just gotten a job at Monterey Bay and was like, like, there's a potential that you could come and play with me here. And that's a D2 school. And I was kind of like, that's what I want. Like, I want to move up. I want to keep playing. And it was just, I had to decide at that point, is my mental health and my physical health more important than continuing to play basketball? And I chose to have the surgery. And so I stopped playing and I, I had the surgery and like two weeks later, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. And I know most of you guys probably know, uh, or know uh, Marcus Forbes, but he called me and he started working with Team Tarassi and was like, do you want to coach? And I was like, that actually sounds pretty fun. I was like, that sounds like I could do that. And I was like, what age group? And he's like, I'm thinking like sixth, seventh grade girls, like you can start out there and we'll see where you, where you go. And I was like, yeah, I'm on. And we actually switched over to West Coast Elite, which is where we're at now. And I'm still coaching with him in this. I've been coaching for now about two and a half years. And um, when I when I joined on, it was kind of like, I think this is what's next for me. And I told Jared, like, I was like, I think I, it might be training. It might be coaching. And, and I worked with him. And I kind of came in sad. I mean, you guys know I worked with you guys. And it was working with him on his training and, and seeing, like, shadowing him and learning from him. And. I'm kind of taking it, and I train, now I do train too, and I train these young girls that I'm coaching, and kind of following Jared, like I respect you so much, you know that, and we've been so close over my entire journey, that it was kind of like, maybe I could do something like that, like you've impacted me in ways that like you don't even know, and and I was like, maybe I can be that person for someone else, and so I kind of was following Jared, and I worked with him for a little bit, and then got the opportunity to start coaching, and now I've been coaching with with West Coast Elite. Again, like I said, it's my second year. I got asked by uh, Ryan Silver to be the social media director for all of West Coast Elite. So I'm doing that. And um, and I'm now just got named the uh, Sacramento Youth Director. So I'm moving up and and able to, now I have about, I think like four, I'll have like four teams of girls in Zach that I'll be coaching and running that program. And I'll see you guys a lot because it's going to be on the sports court. So, <laughs> mm. but it's going to be exciting so it was exciting stuff and um with that came some really cool opportunities that i went through this last summer i got asked to by uh the stanford coaches to help at their camp so i got to like work with tara van der veer and kate Pay like in their camp and assist with them and learn from them like it was absolutely insane and tara asked if i'd come watch some practices and some games like insane experience like i, I was shocked that I got to, to be a part of that and like have that opportunity, like bigger than I could ever imagine. And then just recently got asked to come to the Steph Curry camp and, and do some media there. So it was, it's just been an incredible journey. And like, I didn't end up where I thought I would at all. And, but it's been better than I could have ever imagined too. That was, so was, kind
0: of <laughs> that was a great way. That was a great little one-liner there to end it all. I
1: think that was, that was pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I was, I was that's blessed. why you are Annabelle right there.
3: Yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot too, like to take in, but and a lot to talk about. But yeah,
1: I think uh, the the coolest thing uh, of all of it is um, is your ability to to adapt and your ability to like compartmentalize the frustration. Yeah. I think that's like people that like have gone through surgeries and people that have like. It's, it's always like, I think it's the most heart wrenching thing. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to be a downer about it. But it's like, you get to that point where you can start moving and feeling good and like feeling like kind of back to normal. And then you have a setback and like,
2: yeah,
1: that's like a very, very, uh, it, it takes a lot of will to be able to like, I don't know, to be not be corny, but like, just to get out of bed yeah, and like have purpose. And, uh, I'm super happy for you that you have found these other avenues. And I think that's um, probably one of the, I mean, for people that don't know, you were a amazing player and one of the best shooters to come through the KI fam, Uh, put that against boys or girls. Move Tommy. Uh, Appreciate that. (laughs) uh, But um, you know, it's, it's funny how the, the, the different ways you can impact the game without actually playing the game. And that's what mm-hmm. I learned with training, and that's where I feel fortunate. And um, it's cool for me to see uh, you kind of fall in that same mold, because uh, you do have the right mind for it. So I, I think that's the that's the hardest part is if you don't have the mind for it, then like basketball is fleeting. But if yeah. you have the mind and the passion for it, then like, yeah, I don't know, your brain's always on.
3: Yeah. So. I agree. And um, you're running with that, like. I agree that, that some of the hardest parts of that whole journey was like was just getting out of bed and like trying to mentally prepare yourself for that day and like the pain that came with recovery is like I mean they for for example like and I le- there's so many details that I could talk about for this too but like even the the pain of the calf before I had the surgery the doctor yeah. compared it to giving birth for four days straight he said it's the third highest pain you can ever experience and like to hear that and I'm like I'm going through this for like like what is this for Mm. I don't understand like what is the whole point of this like why is this happening to me and it's it's always like why does it come back to me why does it come back to me but it's like I always think like what helped me get through so much of that of that like those down days and like the the days that just kind of drag on is that like someone always has it worse there's always somebody out there that has something that is worse, that they're going through worse, that there's something harder than this. Like, this is okay. This is my story. This is what I have to go through. And honestly, like just embracing it and being like, okay, today sucks. That's all right. We're going to do something today. That's good. Like we're going to get something out of this day. And I'm kind of like learning that right now because the last few days have been rough. Let me tell you like this surgery, even though it's one of the easier ones that I've had, is the same thing. LinkedIn and hip flexor had the same thing last year. For some reason this year, it's been twice as hard. Like the, the pain's been worse. The, like with come, I'm coming off the narcotics, like the withdrawals from that. People don't think about that. Like it it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy the other avenues that you have to kind of overcome in order to be in that space. But really like having that mindset of just being like, someone has it worse. And like, if if this is what I have to go through today today, then that's what it is. But if you have your mind right, you're gonna get there.
1: Totally. Yeah. Um kind of shifting gears. You obviously the Steph uh Curry uh camp was the last thing that you did. What yes. was what was one of the biggest obviously like there like there's so many clips that went viral from like him talking about people playing the right way and mm-hmm. moving without the ball and also like his trainer Brandon talking about different stuff. And what, what, what did you take? What was the number one thing that you felt like you take, you took personally from being in that environment?
0: I want to, can I branch it into two separate uh, questions actually? Yeah, go ahead. ahead. I want you to answer it as a player's mind. And I want you to answer it as a coach's
3: mind too. Okay. Well, first I'm going to go as a person because I had an, I actually did have opportunity to talk to him one-on-one and like, that is insane. I'm sorry, but, like, that's crazy to me to say that. I got to talk to Steph Curry 101. Like, I never thought that would ever happen. Like, <laughs> I, so I was – it was insane. So, I, I went up to him and I got to ask, like – I asked him actually about training. I was, I was asking about his training routine and, like, how much more do you put into shooting that you do, like, dribbling or ball handling or finishing? Like, what's that ratio look like? And kind of, like, how do you structure those workouts postseason, preseason, like, during season? I got to ask him those questions. And instead of just saying like, oh, I do a 20 minutes ball handling, 15 minutes shooting, like whatever his workout is, he took 20 minutes out of that camp to just talk to me about it and like went through, showed me drills. Like it was unreal. The the time that he took, he was just such a personable person and like was so respectful. And like, to me, I'm a, like, I'm a nobody to him. Like he has no idea who I am. Like I'm just this kid at a camp that's doing media. Like there was some of the kids that came from West Coast Elite, like, But for him to take the time to actually explain those to me, like it was it was like mind blowing to me. That's not something that I've seen most NBA players take time to do. And like I know if it if they do, it's not getting broadcasted enough because like to me that that stood out the most is like him as a person is just like he's awesome. But the biggest thing that stood out is that um, like for what I was like when I was watching those drills was just at least for watching his training because before each camp he did his training which I'm sure you guys seen like tons of highlights from but his workouts he he started his workout like two hours before camp started and like the drills that he was doing were like full court drills so like he would shoot like he was doing a star drill across the entire court and until he made all of those shots, like he wasn't done and then if he miss, he's going 10 makes in a row. If he misses one, he starts over. If he misses one, he starts over. He's doing these drills. Like, I watched him shoot for an hour and a half straight without stopping. Like, the stamina, I guess I would say, to play at that level is just, it, like, it's unrealistic for, I think, what most players expect. Like, you have to be in the best shape of your life if you want to be a good player. Like, I think I learned that, like, if you want to play at an elite level, if you want to play in college, if you want to play high school, if you want to be an elite player, you need to be in incredible shape. That is, like, a really big important part of it, and especially, like, he said something about defense, too, where he's like, if if you don't love defense, if you don't love working out and, like, pushing yourself to get better, this isn't right for you. Like, you're in the wrong place. Like, if you you hate getting up and working out for two hours and taking a break and then going working out for another two hours, like, you're in the wrong business. Like, get out of the gym, but, like, just watching him – train and 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 seeing the way that he trains is just it was just like it was like I can't even explain it it was incredible but as a coach's perspective I think um the coolest thing that I saw was that he's so involved in the camp like he's actually coaching the kids and talking to the kids and like explaining things but I think he explains it in a way that everyone can understand like regardless of IQ and regardless of how much experience you've had. And um, I just think like, I don't know if I could pinpoint an exact thing that, that he said. I took notes on it too, but oh, there was, there was a one moment. Hang on. Give me a second. I can't remember exactly what he said. It was about spacing and timing and, and like he was explaining it to these kids. And it's like, I mean, you think spacing and timing, is like, Like, say you have five out, you know, like, you pass and you cut, right? But he was saying, like, when you catch the ball and you rip and go right away, he's like, I know I say make decisions quickly, but if you catch the ball and rip right away before you look and see where the defense has shifted, you're going to run right into whoever's still shifting. And he's like, so when I say, well, you have .5 seconds to make a decision, you do, but you got to look before you make that decision and say, like, if the ball's swinging around the perimeter and you catch the ball and start to – to rip in the direction that the ball's swinging, you're going to run right into the help that's coming over, and so it's just, like, the way that he's explaining things to these kids, like, you can picture it and understand what he's talking about, and so as a coach's perspective, like, I think it helps to, to be in environments like that where I can learn, like, the way that he explains things and kind of take that and try and put it into what I'm doing with my kids as well, like, I know it's a completely different level, but, like, it translates the same and it builds those kids into being something that that you know, other at least to that other coaches I haven't seen be able to do.
1: No, definitely. You I can. I, say, I, I'll go ahead. Luke. That
0: was that was that was cool to listen to. Honestly, just because um, you see stuff on socials and you don't get to, you don't get right. the full, you don't get the full uh immersion. I guess is a word I'm looking for. So like
2: yeah.
0: the way you were explaining it, that was pretty cool to, to hear. Yeah.
1: So now that you've gotten your feet wet a little bit here with coaching Annie and uh we haven't talked about this part much um so I'm curious to get your perspective because I know you're like an avid WNBA watcher, women's college and obviously played and then now coaching girls what do you think is the the one thing that would help the girls game grow more or just get more notoriety um obviously realistically um But, like, what's one thing, like, now that you see it, like, you see these girls, you go to these Under Armour-sponsored tournaments, you see these Mm -hmm. high-level girls, you work with them, and it's, like, it's still not getting the same love and notoriety that, let's say, the men's game is. Like, what do you think is the one thing that can take them to the next step or the next
3: level? I think a lot of it has to do, like... It's interesting because if you look at it at different levels, like I've seen, I've, I've researched a little bit on the WNBA side, like a lot of why they don't get the coverage is is financial, right? They don't have the the financial support, the same sponsorships to be on like the same channels that the NBA is on and, and be in those mainstream, in mainstream spots. So as a result, they don't get it's like a never ending cycle because as a result they don't get as many ticket sales. And as a result, the girls get paid less. And as a result, they don't get seen as much. So it's just like this never ending cycle, but a lot of it comes from the media coverage. So if, if they can get more people or higher quality people on the running the media and doing stuff like that and getting them out there where people can get seen, like media is huge. It's, it's like grown, at least for what I can say on West Coast It's it's been huge for just our program and being able to like show our girls and showcase our girls and like, I think we've pulled in just from, not just from media, but part of our media presence has pulled in like over 50 offers for these girls. And so it's just like the being in the, in the spotlight is what has to grow. And in order for that to happen, there has to be more sponsorships and more money coming in on the girls side to, to be a reason to, uh, for them to be there. Right. And, um, but for, I think at least on the high school college side, like, what Steph Curry's doing needs to be happening with everywhere. It needs to be happening with other NBA players that are like a lot of NBA players do it with boys. I I think Kyrie Irving's done it with girls. I think Steph Curry's done it with girls, but I, there's not many others that do it. And like, it's huge. It's a huge thing for, for the girls to be going at the same time as the boys and to be in the same drills as the boys and to be getting the same media coverage as the boys. Like, being in the same environment is really big. And like Steph makes, a, at least for this is a really good example because I just went to this, but he makes it a point to be as involved with the boys as he is with the girls. And so he'll go and, and run some drills with the girls and then he'll go do jumping with the boys and then he'll go scrimmage with the girls and then he'll go scrimmage with the boys. Like it's like he takes the time to care. And mm-hmm. I think we need more people in the basketball world that care and that want to bring it up because like girls basketball has so much to offer and like you've seen it you tr- you've you trained incredible girls there's there's countless WNBA players that don't get the recognition that they deserve and like and it really a lot of it comes from the media coverage is is what i've seen
1: yeah i think i think just like on that note i don't want to cut you off or tommy or luke but like I don't – you would know her name. What's the the girl, the shooter that was at Steph's thing that she blew up on social media? I know she was already highly ranked, but I didn't know who she was. Uh, is it Fudge or how do you say her last name?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I'd have to look it up. She was one of the better players. To, Tommy, you knew what her name? I'm saying, are you talking about the girl at UConn? Like... Is that is that where she's at? I think she's at UConn, the light, uh, light-skinned girl.
3: From this year?
1: I know
4: Steph gives her a lot of love. I
1: think I know exactly who you're talking about.
3: Oh, she didn't play. She coached.
1: Oh, is that, okay. I just saw Aussie. her working out.
3: Ozzy, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, we, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I was like thinking of the girls and I was like. No, no, no. no I yeah, amazing. I didn't know if
1: she was a player or not. I didn't,
3: she's, she's I didn't at, know. Yeah, she's at UConn.
1: Ozzy, oh, okay. yeah. You got a player yeah. of the right or no two years ago I or something.
3: Like yeah she's she's insane she did the same workout she was working out with stuff doing the same stuff that he was doing and like training with his yeah. trainers and stuff I think
1: that was like so again so see like I'm that's how how ignorant I am right is like I I didn't know if she was a UConn commit or if she would but like she she's was on my it. she was on my timeline relentlessly uh and like I think that was like that that was cool because she got more even though she wasn't in the camp, she got more pub than any of the yeah. other guys or whatever that I saw.
3: Well, and it's the like camp. the same thing. Like, what, Kobe was doing it really well, too. And, yeah. like, I know his birthday was was yesterday. But, like, he was doing that before anybody else was. Like, he was going to WNBA games. He'd bring his yeah. whole like his whole team with him to come and support these girls that nobody else was watching. And he'd be hyping up these girls that nobody else, Like, he was a big part of Sabrina Ioneski's story. And, like, yeah. bringing her up. And she's – like, you guys know her right yeah. like there's a reason why that is and so it's just it is guys like that that are that are taking the time and like Kyrie's doing it Steph's doing it like we just need mm-hmm. more players like that that and and people like that and unfortunately on the a lot of it has to come from like the corporate side and, and having the financials to back it
1: I mm-hmm. so. think the other dope thing is uh, the came right now yeah i was going to say Sabrina's shoe is is like right, that's team. the number one right now
3: I know, I know. I met her yeah. brother too. The, I mean, I've met Sabrina twice, I think, now too. But I met her brother at a West Coast Elite event. He was, uh-huh. he was running the door. I was like, what is this?
1: They're is like this- giving. They gave those <laughs> outs. They gave those out at the EYBL sessions this year mm-hmm. instead of giving out boys like the men's shoes. They gave out yeah. the Sabrinas. They're, they're
3: hot they're- right now. I know. Yeah. I know. No, she's yeah. awesome. She's and and players like that and players like Caitlin Clark, like they're blowing up the girls' side. Like
2: yeah.
3: But again, like those are the only players that are getting that coverage. But it's like the ones that stand out, they're starting to pop up. It's just we need that more, we need it a lot more, mm-hmm. and it needs to be mm-hmm. seen.
0: That's they fair. said, uh, they said Angel Reese can't even go to in person classes anymore at LSU.
3: Did they really? She, yeah,
0: because oh, her valuation is so high, or what? It was she was like celebrity status, like the learning wasn't happening it. and stuff. It's pretty yeah, cool. She, yeah, she was, she, was she was funny at the
1: SVs.
3: She's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah, and like Julie Van Liv, I think she was at another camp that uh, I don't remember whose it was, but she's another one that's that's been blown up too. And uh-huh. of course, I like, she's insane, crazy. but
0: crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: I'll say about, I mean, and this is gonna jump all over the place a little bit here, but I think you you might have mentioned it like very slightly when you're going through your story and everything, but we talk about it a lot on here. It's kind of just the love for the game because someone like you and, and every, every piece of adversity that was thrown at you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but unless you love the game and you love the process and you love what comes with playing basketball, good and bad, you're not going to go through all that to, to get to where you are yeah. today. And I think anyone who listens to this episode, like can really really, it, it can be a real reality check. Like, mm-hmm. okay, do I love it that much? Like put myself in her shoes. Like, do I love it that much? So like, I feel like you kind of just skate over all these things and like, yeah, you talk about, Oh, I wanted to prove it to myself. And, and yeah, Oh, I'm going to play again. I'm going to be a scholarship player. And like, I love that. But like at the same time, like, that's just your passion for the game. That's just like, to me, that was what stuck out the most. And like, I've just been sitting here waiting for my time to basically commend you for that. Um, But like, I was aware of your story and like, we knew each other from when you were talking about the times when you were in there with Jared and stuff. And like, you could tell even just you being the handoff person, like how much you (laughs) love just like being a part of it. So like, yeah, for me, like it just kind of solidified everything I already knew about you. And like, I think for you now going into coaching or the being in coaching and stuff, like it makes you that much more valuable as a coach. Cause one, every player that you're talking to, you're no longer telling them something that you haven't been a part of. Like if you tell mm-hmm. a coach a player now to like, oh, you can push through it. Like I promise you can get through this. Like <laughs> look at Coach Annie. Like obviously <laughs> she knows I can get through it. Look what she got through. Like,
2: like
1: Annie that. was out yeah, there was. at sport courts co- coaching in a wheelchair. Like last I year, I was.
3: <laughs> I actually was doing that yesterday. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, guys. Like I w- rolled up in a wheelchair and I've got. Probably- hey, shout
1: out, shout out, Joe, man, shout out, Joe.
3: Joe does push me around,
1: yes. Yeah, shout out Joe, man. She really pushes – she pushes Annie around.
3: My girlfriend helps me out a ton. She's she's absolutely incredible. She's my rock. But, yeah, like, she she rolls me up to the court. I have (laughs) – I'm not even kidding. I have my parents who don't play basketball ever, never play basketball, trying to demonstrate the drills that I'm trying to talk these girls through. I've got, like, 50 kids on the court, and I'm sitting in my wheelchair, like, just (laughs) – and I was just – and I did that for about – six weeks till I could walk yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. like,
0: really on your Uncle stop. Drew out there. Yeah, stop. it is <laughs> wicked.
3: But it is true. It is true. Like, it's hard to fit all of my story into such a small, like, condensed version because,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like, you're, you're exactly right. The thing that keeps you going is, like, how much do you love this? And, like, yeah. is it worth it to continue to keep going? I finally made the decision when I stopped playing that my mental health and my physical health it wasn't worth it to keep playing, but that I wasn't done with basketball. No. And I was like, I was ready to, to give that part up. I was like, okay, I'm at a place where I think I can stop playing, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I have to be a part of this somehow. Like I love it too much. And it's done right. so much for my life. Like it, it changed my life because if I didn't choose to continue to play, like I would probably still be in a wheelchair. Like, right. and that's just the realistic facts that, that were told to me when I had the surgeries, like, it wasn't realistic for me to keep playing, but it's something that I chose to continue to, to push through. And like my, my surgeon said, like, you are the only person, and I, if there's a, I mean, there's only so many people that have hip dysplasia and have to have this surgery to, to think about, but he's like, You're, he's the only one of the only surgeons in the world that does this surgery. And he's like, you are the only person that I've ever done this on that has been able to play do come back to the sport that they love ever. He's like, I have never seen any of my cases be able to do this. The furthest that they've been able to do is walk. And he's like, so it, it really is cool. Like, I don't get to talk about those parts, but you were exactly right. It's, it's honestly a mental game when it comes to any injuries or any surgeries that you go through or any like you're last on the bench and you want to start like any, any sort of adversity that you have to come through. It's a mental thing that if you push yourself and you want it enough, you will make it happen. Like you want to walk
1: on mentality, barrier. yeah. Perfect. You are your Man, biggest she's, barrier. She's right on brand. She's literally just
2: yeah, yeah. Just just seven seven thirty
1: p.m. Money. on a Tuesday. I'm walking out of sport courts. Here comes Annie rolling in the door. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Go home.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> it's like thirty <laughs> girls just running up, up and down the
1: court, That's... chasing each other, That's... screaming at the top of lungs. I'm telling
2: you. I'm but just
1: like, get me out of here. Annie's like, all right, let's go baseline. I'm like, oh god, go home real yeah. scary I
0: was hours like come here Can you do this?
3: I should have told you to come over and help me my parents oh. were like all right here so you're gonna do these defensive slides and they're yeah. looking at me like yeah. uh what
1: <laughs> I I do have I I do have another uh this probably isn't the right way to say it but I'm gonna ask you anyways because because you're the homie uh you have been coaching and you're talking about all this stuff and it's all good and it's all positive what is the one thing that hate is a strong word what is the one thing that you dislike the most about coaching or one thing that you wish wasn't part of coaching (laughs) i just want to know now that you're you're turning into a real seasoned vet here so i can have this conversation with you
3: yeah 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 yeah. i could talk about Uh, this for days
1: yeah you don't have to name any names this will be stay this will stay anonymous
3: i can't stand the parents (laughs) i can't stand the parents jared you told me walking into this he's like i I don't know why you want to coach. He actually, like, I was on the phone with him and he was like, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like what people have to say. Like, it's it's training. You don't have to deal with that. Like, <laughs> You just train the kids. It's the skills. Like, you teach them the IQs, everything like that. But this coaching is a different story. You, got, you have politics. You really do. I hate the politics. I do. I hate it. But I love the kids so much and I love basketball so much and I love teaching so much that it's like, it, it becomes worth it. But the you guys won't believe the stuff that some parents say.
1: Oh, we can trade stories. I don't.
3: <laughs> I can't even believe it, like One of these, I'm gonna tell you. This is. I'm being dead serious. A parent and I had these kid, these two kids, leave the team because of this. This dad came up to me and he was a handful already. And their kid, like, I'm going to be honest, she can shoot the lights out. Like, she would hit seven threes in a row, brought us back from a 17-point deficit. She's in sixth grade, like, (laughs) going into seventh now. But, like, literally killer shooter, like, great player. The dad is a handful. And so he comes into this game. They're 30 minutes late. Okay. At the end of the game, he comes up to me. He's like, why didn't you start my daughter? I was like. Yes. Um you were 30 minutes late what do you mean and he was like you didn't start her i don't understand and then he, he texted marcus who's like my, my director and he's like and then he, they left they left the program because they haven't come back they haven't said anything to me since and i'm like bro are you insane like <laughs> you were 30 minutes late to the game are you saying the second half like you're not going to start the second half you didn't come here for the first half of the game like <laughs> it was yeah, crazy. Annie but it's stuff like that. And I'm like, like you deal with that every single day with like at least AAU parents, I'd say like high school. Cause I do coach at Folsom high too. And um, I, uh, I coach the frost off. I'm the head frost off coach and then I assist on JV and then varsity where I can. And I was actually going to coach on varsity this year as I assistant but it might with my schedule, I just couldn't commit to the hours. But um, with that, like you walk in the gym and you have no parents, you have no nothing to deal with except the kids. And it's like heaven. It's like, it's just so much easier. You, you, know, you... Like you can coach freely and not have to have like somebody always have something to say. Cause you're never, like, I had to learn real quick. You cannot make everyone happy. And like my, like the decisions that I make, I stand by them. And like, mm-hmm. I'm trying, like at the end of the day, my biggest goal for them is to make the kids better, but the parents, they don't always think that. They think so you got some vendetta or something's something else is going on, right? Like every time. Every single time. Like your kid's in fifth grade. She's not Kobe. Okay. She's gonna sit the bench sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. It's what the funny part about it is is that um you have so many bad parents that you deal with. And it's just that one set of Amy and freaking Jeremy's that just make you like stick around Yeah, The, Mar- the Mark and Michelle's the Jim and the Stacy's. It's just like, yeah, it's like, you're like, God, I hate all these, all these people over here. I can't stand them. And then there's just like three people stand over here. It's like, oh,
3: God. I know. And every time like I come back to, I'm like, no matter how dumb the parents may be or how crazy they are, I was like, it comes down to the kid and what the kid needs and I cannot hold with their actions and, in- whatever they do against what the kid needs and what they're what they're responsible for so I think that was something I had to learn early on too is it's like even though they may say some crazy stuff like the kid is ultimately who you're working on and working with right
2: yeah
3: and ultimately as your coach you're working for them you want them to be the best that they can be and it's it's hard it is it really is hard to separate those emotions because like I get really attached to my kids I get really close to them I love them all so much and then, when you have a parent that's like you made a mistake and they take your kid off your team, it's like you don't see that kid again and unless like you run into each other, they come crawling back to the team, which has happened with like ten kids already. It's just it's a whirlwind, so it is kind of like you kind of have to keep everybody at a distance, but with the kids, it's like it's hard that is hard
4: okay so I'm curious now that we've discussed how horrible coaching is. <laughs> um like what was like obviously when you decided you were not gonna play and you got that call from Marcus I'm sure that was scary and hard for you to be like yeah I'm I'm gonna get into coaching I I want to know what was the moment when you were coaching when you were like okay yeah I can do this like obviously you love basketball anyone that listens to this first 20 10 minutes of this episode that's clear like with, like i want i, w- I want to know like what did a player do something or like like when you saw that satisfaction you're like yeah i love i love this like i can do this for sure
3: i actually i don't know why that light just turned off but i um at tryouts it was actually like literally our trials going into coaching and this is when i knew that i would love it but i have t- i have two stories but um when I knew that I loved it was that I came into trials and I saw a kid that reminded me so much of me but had no talent it was like like the hardest worker on the floor could not dribble could not shoot but she was the hardest worker and I literally looked at that kid and I I, Marcus was kind of like I don't know like what do you think we should do and I was like I need that kid on my team I was like I really do and and I got her in sixth grade I think she's going into I got her going into her sixth grade year that's the summer before and then I she's going into eighth grade this year and she's on our top 14 youth premier team now and that like with, with Jared like I trained her I, I coached her and like I think what made me love it so much is to see the development because like her and it's all her work like it's I don't take credit for it it's I gave her the tools but She's been, like, somebody who who loves it and loves playing, loves getting better, and has taken those and gone and actually, like, done what I tell her to do and has come back and is, like, this awesome player who can, like, shoot, like, has almost perfect shot form where she was shooting the ball like this and, and couldn't even extend her hips when she would jump. Like, it was crazy what I was watching, but, like, now she has a full shot form and is, like, draining threes in games and, like, cooking kids. It's just, like, that is probably the most – rewarding thing that I I always come back to no matter how hard it gets it's like that's what I love about it but when I knew that I could do it I think was was uh I was at practice and the kids were like really goofing off and it's it's hard because I'm young and so like I'm only 21 and I like recently turned 21 so it's like and these kids are they're not that much younger than me if you really think about it especially my high schoolers. Cause like I'm working with some varsity kids and they're only like three years younger than me. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of right. crazy, but like, I think when they knew I could do it is that like, they were kind of acting up a little bit and I just like was straight with them and kind of like got them into order like this and they just listened. And I looked at them cause I had never like gotten stern with them or like yelled at them and, or anything like that. And I didn't really have to, but I, I was just like, Hey, like we got to get ready for like, th- we need to take this seriously. And they all just were like like soldiers in a line like ready to go and i was like oh they listen like i can do this like yeah. they do it. there's that there is a respect and like we can do this together and like we're going to find a way and I, the age gap has been a problem for some parents like they look at me and i'm short and i am in a wheelchair half the time and like it's and they look at me and they're like who is this kid that's this young and coaching like at, at this level and we have an elite program so it's like it is weird for some of them to come in and see my face instead of marcus's or see my face instead of like uh, Jim Pease which is our director and and like very very well known in the Bay Area who has like 50 boys teams that are really he trained or he coached Jalen Green like very well known and they come into me and they're like who's this and so it's like it's something that has been an issue for sure but I think once I once they see me coach in the way that I I respect the kids but also am I'm starting with them and and then there to only make them better. They they quickly catch on that like I'm there for the right reasons, and that the girls are going to grow. So I think it's it was pretty cool to see that that change. I love that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So <clears throat> before we get into our starting five, we've reached the part of the program God. where I think tonight it might benefit you, Jared. Um, Probably the first our, time. All of our Ki Hoops family uh, guests, I asked the same question. And typically, we have a, a, a standard answer, but I, I feel like we might get a better one out of you tonight. Um, What is your favorite Jared story?
3: My favorite?
0: Yeah, Jared's moment, story, whatever it is.
3: Let me think about this. Hang on.
0: History, history
4: likes to talk about his stubbornness. I don't know if you want to go that route, but...
0: I, see, I was just going
1: to let it rock. That's not going to work because Annie's more stubborn than I am, so...
3: I don't know if I have a favorite Jared story. I think one of my favorite things about him is how light, like how lighthearted you are and how funny you are. Like the way that you coached me is like, it's weirdly motivating. And also like sometimes hurtful at the same time Condescending. <laughs> it's it's funny because there I think it is I, that's
1: what luke was working for listen um, jared's yeah. verbally abusive but it's kind of funny so
3: sometimes yeah. <laughs> but for real like it it's it's been actually I, I feel like i have taken that on a little bit because i mess with my kids and like i i do like to kind of be like you kind of suck right now what are you doing like <laughs> but not that you do that but a little bit well there's times
1: but no, I, I definitely do that. It. We've all I, heard I, it I, I have my favorite Annie story, but I'm going to let Annie finish.
3: Oh, you tell me after that, though. I want to hear it. But yeah. I do remember, like, the funny moments where I'm, we were training with, like, Emily, and, and we're messing around. And, like, you hate it. Like, you deeply hated it because we could not stop laughing and, like, goofing around. And, like, we're trying to get our reps up. And, like, Emily couldn't make a damn layup for her life that day. And I don't know why, but we had to get, like, six in a row, and she was missing just every layup, so I'd make one, and then she'd miss what We All we did was layups that whole day because she couldn't make a layup. I was like, Emily, if you don't make this damn layup, I'm going to smack you. But we were just, like, laughing because every time she would miss it. And then we'd get to, like, five, and then I'd miss one. And it was, like, just back and forth and back and forth. And Jared was, like, he was so pissed off and, like, for real, was like, you guys need to knock it off. And then he called us space cadets. And from that, that point forward, like we just we always we and Emily are like, oh, your, your two favorite space cadets are coming to, to, to work today. Like just, yeah, we just it is with it and, like we me and Emily still joke about it and like call each other. I'm like, you're the space cadet. Like it's just it's just funny stuff like that where it's like he he really does get frustrated and upset. And like you could still have fun with it and still be learning. Like, <laughs> it's funny.
2: Yeah,
0: that's that's pretty good for your brand there, Jared.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. If you want to yeah. come have a goofy time,
3: okay. It was. Okay, yeah, but you can't find it. There. There's been good ones bag, like that there too. There's also I ended up in tears a lot of times. Yeah. With that's me.
1: my the most I've ever the maddest I've ever seen Annie is. Uh, we were trained. This one used to train at Folsom High School. Yep. And Annie used to train <laughs> with her sister Abby, who like we love Abby. Very much, we love Abby. but from a skill standpoint, Abby was not at the same level as Annie, and Abby was like two or three years older, so it was like always a little frustrating for her. And I think it was like we would do advanced stuff because I'm going to push the workout to like the most advanced player, and like there'd be times where like Abby would not be able to finish the drills because it was like too tough for yeah. her skill wise, and she would get frustrated and she'd get down on herself. But this one time,
3: it was so this, bad. it was
1: this one time. Annie could not figure out how to do a quick rep. She Keep couldn't the right. She couldn't do the footwork right, and Abby <laughs> picked it up like this. This is like when Annie was like eighth grade. This is before the surgeries and stuff like that. And like she Don't was. Don't tell little,
2: that. That's worse.
1: No, this, this is, no, I'm giving you the credit because this is like when you were actually moving, and it wasn't like you couldn't yeah. blame it on the surgery. You just like you were being a space kid, and you I couldn't really figure was. out. Like she was stepping, she was stopping on the opposite foot, the inside foot. you know what I'm talking about Tommy Luke where she would do the the pickup, like she would gallop her leg over and cross her feet. Yeah. Oh, man.
3: like Jared, yeah. when you talk about it now because I teach yeah. it too, I'm like, how was I even doing that? Yeah.
1: So like <laughs> I we wouldn't
3: understand
2: it.
1: It was so bad. <laughs> and Annie was like in anger tears, like not crying like emotionally, but like fuming tears out as opposed to like yelling. It was so bad that I had to be like, Okay, Abby, you just keep doing your reps at the basket. I gotta do this with Annie at half court at Folsom High. And so, it was I like was eleven in the morning, ten in the morning on a Sunday, and we only three people in there. And Annie's just standing at half court, not being able to figure it out. It took us like 20 minutes. You and she was so, like,
3: No, I think it took more than that because uh-huh. I think I left that day and I still didn't know how to do it. And I was so upset. I was like, Dad, I don't I'm I'm done with basketball. That's what got me right there. I was like, I'm done. No, actually uh, I did have a lot a lot a lot of days were like it was good because you would push me and like I would come and work out with with kids that are better than me half the time and that's what I think makes players better you know put yourself in a position where you're not the best player and you're gonna grow but when I when I would get in those positions or like even a lot of times one-on-one most of the time one-on-one I would get so pissed off and I look back at it and I'm like what was I even upset about I'd be like oh, you need four makes, and I or, like, four in a row, and I'd get, like, three in a row, like, six times, but I'd miss the last one, and I'm pissed, and I think I suck at shooting. And, like, you're making three in a row and missing one, and then making three in a row and missing one. Like, that's not bad. But, like, I was so mad, and I would leave crying, and Jared's like, what is wrong with you? Like, I would be – but it's just, like, the level of expectation that That, I have in myself, I guess.
1: That and my other favorite part is it's not – it'll probably never come back, but when Annie was a kid, she had – uh, braided pigtails oh yeah and when she would spin do spin moves they yeah. were so long they would whip her in the face and hit her like she would like <laughs> actually be in pain because they were like so heavy
3: i'd have to stop or i'd yeah. go like this to shoot and it my hair would get stuck in my hand yeah. and when i would go to shoot it my whole neck would fly backwards <laughs> and that happened a lot and he's like what is wrong like what are it you was doing you need to cut yeah. your hair those I'm pigtails like, nah, man i got no now- hair yeah, but I don't play anymore, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but you know what?
4: You know what Annie needed in that moment. Micro skill Mondays at uh, KI Hoops JW yeah. on it. So I'm the follow. Thank you.
3: That is what yeah. I needed, and I love those uh, by
0: the way. Yeah. Who doesn't love Micro Skill Mondays? Um, yeah. no, I do. Yeah, hey, I think most people do. Uh, I think yeah. it's starting five. Starting five yeah. time. Yeah, I think it's time. time.
1: Yeah, we're good. Um, so I feel like we should have Tommy go first, no matter what. Well, Okay,
0: so to introduce <laughs> the starting five, um, we talked and about we Steph got crushed last
1: week, so. It,
0: it Every week, every week, Jared, every week.
1: I checked, oh, the, I checked the voting. I was like, oh, dear God. Bro, it was two and weeks ago. For this week has yet oh, to be okay. posted. That's so. what I mean, like the last one we did, the last one yeah. that's been posted. Who won? Did. I won? Oh, my God. We got – that was the coach's one, right?
0: Yeah, it was, it was a blowout. Anyways. Yeah, it was
1: Come bad. on. Okay. All right, so anyways.
0: Anyways. Jeez, yep. man, these guys. Um <laughs> we have starting five Steph Curry moments, Steph Curry shots, Steph Curry personas, starting five Steph Curry. We talked a lot about him today. Um felt like it was right. There's a lot of Steph Curry stuff going on in the media right now. Um so it felt like the right topic. Um Jared just proposed Tommy to go first. We usually give it to the guests, um but you know, I don't
3: I do not want to go first.
0: Okay, there you go, Tommy. And he wasn't right. As I just
3: came off my surgery, I was on narcotics. I was like, what do we even – what do you mean, Steph Curry? Like, what? (laughs) Videos?
4: Do we want to go go five straight? Yeah. Let's
1: go five straight. I think it's probably (laughs) smart to go five straight. All right. Um, And I'm going to go next. Take notes to pay attention. That's fine.
3: Okay, I'm listening.
1: There's just so – I'll go last. We'll let Annie go third.
4: There's just so many to choose from. Um – luke i i i went straight moments like off the top of my head but now that luke just said personas i'm switching my point guard and i'm gonna make this quick my point guard is gonna be this is a video that i've seen many times but if you guys watch the underrated documentary which i'm sure we all did i've got i've got steph curry rapper edition at davidson college i know you've seen the music video give me steph curry music video guy at point guard okay um that video is hilarious. I need that in my lineup at the two. Um I've got Steph Curry's twenty-two point third quarter against the Denver Nuggets in 2013 playoffs. It was their it was kind of their coming out party, the Warriors coming out party, game four. Let the set the NBA on fire, letting everybody knew that he was coming. and they went on to lose the Spurs, but won that series. Crazy quarter. Um at the three. Um, I don't know why I this game doesn't get talked about too much. I think it was because it was the COVID year with no fans. Give me his 62 point game versus the Trailblazers. That was crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Ab- absolutely unconscious. I mean, Steph does it all the time, but that's one that's that's one that's great. Um at the four, give me Right wing, game six, NBA finals, Matthew Vadova on an island, in and out cross, sidestep, splash, mean mug down the down the sideline to really to really solidify. Or it was game five, sorry, to really solidify what they were gonna do. Um and then at the five, gimme give gimme give probably my my current favorite Steph Curry moment of all time because the odds were stacked against him, and it looked grim for the championship odds. And he walked into TD Garden in the purple shoes, gave him forty-three, probably his most legendary moment in my eyes. So that's why it's holding it down at the center. Need a big, strong one there.
1: I like it. Like it. No, no, uh, no debate from my end. Yeah, all good moments, Luke. You want to reel off next, and then Annie. Yeah. You can go, and then just... we just do the five, and then walk on on the way back.
0: Yeah, so at my point guard. Um, I need my point guard to be as detail oriented as possible. Um, need to be able to to do all the little things on the court that matters. Um, and for that I need I need them to be extremely precise with uh their actions. Give me hole in one, Steph Curry. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, this is this is a new <laughs> Steph. Want... That's this right on brand. Step. I love that. It fits the point guard mold, so yeah. I need him at the one. At the two. Throwing um, darts out there. Yeah, exactly. At the two, I got I got one that um feels like it's a clip that gets brought up uh, a lot, especially right now. Um and, and it'll make sense when I when I announce it. Mm-hmm. But it's my mm-hmm. shooter because um one, it was it was a pretty big shot and two, uh it, it I felt like it was it was kind of a coming of age moment for Steph Curry. Um I know he was still wearing Nikes when this happened, so he was young. Uh the ankle problems were were not fully uh overcome at that point i got the the kobe push off three in the preseason game when he pat him on the butt i feel like it's kind of a big moment that you know it it was it was a little tip of the cap from from you know the black mamba and you know i need that at the two um at the three at the three i need someone with a lot of passion we talked about passion i need someone with a lot of passion uh, a lot of fire a lot of anger i got throw mouth guard uh steph curry at my three (laughs) I think it's one that you know people don't really talk about a lot because it's one of his lower moments. But I I look at it as as a fiery, passionate player, and you know that's going to man my perimeter defense out there. as the three, um, at the four, we're going to go with uh, you know he, he's at Davidson. They're making their run in, in March Madness, and they're they're at uh at Ford Field, I believe, in, in Detroit. If if uh, I'm not mistaken, he has a big up and under layup when he gets big. Big contact still able to finish on the outside. And I feel like um, there was a lot of naysayers about, you know, his ability to finish at the next level and everything. And I feel like that was a glimpse of what we were going to get with the stuff that we now all know and love. So I got the up and under lay. I believe it was in the Sweet 16 um, in their March Madness run. And at the five, similar to Tommy, same game but I want a specific moment. I got the point to the finger, and it's for the same reasons uh, mm-hmm. Tommy said. He went different with the point game. value, but I feel like that was kind of like a stamp. That was a real stamp for him. Like there was a lot of people that said he wasn't going to do it on his own again, and uh, that was – he did it in the third quarter. That that just eludes confidence, um, and you need that as a center. So that's, that's my five. Actually a
4: different, that's actually a different game, Lucas, so you're good.
0: He did it in their closeout game.
4: Game four was the game I was talking about when they were down 2-1. Oh, okay.
0: I believe he still had purple shoes on then. Game six, too. He probably did wear them, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Nice. That's a good five. I like it.
1: I like it. Um, and so you reeled off.
3: Okay, so again, I made this list on narcotics. So I was struggling because I was like, Jared, am I supposed to put like like, moments or like specific shots or like what are we doing here? So here's what I went with. So – My point guard. I need somebody that's going to hold down the fort. And um, I got night, night Steph. I got night, night Steph. Yeah. He's usually taking people to the basket that are big, like drawing them out, and a lot of, like, uh, handle moves to get to the bucket. At least what I've seen, like, a lot of those videos and a lot of, like, something flashy and then into a step back. But night, night Curry's iconic, so I'm going to start off strong with that. My shooting guard is when he hit his 2,974 three versus the Knicks iconic moment again like I think that I put him as shooting guard because that's obvious. I mean like that's those numbers I don't think he gets credit also for how unreal that is and how like he is one of the younger I mean he's not young like he's getting to be a, a vet but like for him to be able to do that and and to continue playing and that number is just gonna continue to grow with how how much momentum he has is like that blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And my my small forward I got 62 points first Portland. I had that one on there too. Mm. Uh, My power forward, no look Curry threes. That, that also was an iconic one, the shot and turn to the bench. And he did that a lot at the, um, to the players that were talking crap at the, at the Curry camp too. So I had to throw that in there because who's doing it to like every player that has something to say, he would hit it like from like past half court. And then just turn and look at them and say something back. Like, It was, he's, it's just crazy that he can do stuff like that. The confidence in his shot is just unreal. For my center, like you said, I need some. I need somebody strong to hold down for it. And like, like Luke said, I use this one because I think I need power and and energy and aggression in in the paint, but I got ejected for throwing mouthpiece. I I got that at the center. (laughs) And I think that that's just so it's crazy because he had, there was like a minute, there was less than a minute left on the clock and he got ejected for that. That That's just crazy. But yeah, that's
1: my starting five. Man, I like it. I'm I'm just you know two what was that two repeats. I'm just super ecstatic because one there's no repeats from my list, and two it just shows you the greatness of the greatest point guard of all time. Like, Man, there's no repeats. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's my list make, my it's list insane. is so long, but we're gonna start with my point guard, Uh and this moment was changing the game for all point guards. You know, like Luke likes to have his point guards be a pass first guy, feed the shooter, that kind of vibe. But Steph really turned that on its head. So my point guard is setting the record for most threes in a season. That's 402.
2: Yeah, that's insane.
1: That's five threes a game made in an NBA game. It's it's actually insane. Um, my, set, my shooting guard. I've been a Warriors fan for a long time. This was one of my favorite players. I was very upset. I can be honest. I was upset when Steph got drafted because they already had a great scoring guard. But this was a real critical moment in Steph's career where they decided to give him the keys. So my shooting guard is when they traded Monte Ellis for Andrew Bogut, which Mm. ended up turning into a critical Mm. piece of that team dynasty. Uh, My small forward, you know, a lot of people early in his career tried to guard Steph with longer, more athletic players, crowd him, double team. And he just kind of proved in this moment that none of that stuff really matters. So yes. give me the crazy three against the Clippers where Deal. he dribbled through about four people and then went backwards and then turned and through it. <laughs> that yeah. was like the, to me, that was one of the most iconic Steph moments of like, I can do whatever I want out here. None of you really matter. Um, Power forward you know, he winged, didn't go to a big time school. He was part of the Cinderella story. So the big time schools never really came around, but there was one big time school that gave him like a, a baby handout because his dad played there. And I think the best thing he did for his career in a critical moment was turning down Virginia tech walk-on. We are the walk-on pod, but he decided not to be a walk-on go to Davidson and the rest is history. And everybody's been on the same page. The center needs to be the staple of my team. He needs to be, you know, the the top of the mountaintop right here. And I, to me, that's the 2015 championship. Steph proved himself before they had KD, before any of the other stuff. 2015, Steph won 40 years to date after the Warriors won their last one. So, there's a moment out there that I'm surprised you don't have, Jared. There's so many. My walk-on list is like 15 deep, so I'm really struggling right here. <laughs>
3: there's, um,
1: there's just one that fits your brand right now that I think yeah. you need. I'll, I'm I'm interested to hear it, but I'll wait until um, everybody goes through. So for my walk-on, there again, like Tommy said, there's so many things to pick from. But uh, I do want because we talked about it earlier. I was fortunate enough years ago when Steph Curry first started having his camp, I got to go and watch uh, the second, I think it was the second year they had it. And I got a chance again, in the same fashion as Annie, I got a chance to talk to him. I almost got tackled by the security guard, but I did it. <laughs> I was able to talk to him for about 10 minutes. And I asked him specifically about shooting and what he thinks about and all these other things. I asked him about, you know, how he holds the ball. And I was like saying all this stuff to him. He was looking at me crazy. Like, obviously he doesn't think about it, like how I thought about it. But I, he did tell me one specific thing uh, that he changed, or the one thing he did is that when he was a sophomore in high school, he used to shoot from under his chin and his chest. He said once his sophomore year was over, he moved his shot pocket up above his right eye. And that was the only thing he's ever changed or done to his shot since the time he was born. Crazy. And it's like something as simple as just from here. To here, turned into the greatest shooter in the world we'll ever see. So that is my walk-on. Small thing, turned into big results. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. All right, uh, Annie, you got
0: your walk-on?
3: All right. My walk-on is post-practice making 105 threes in a row. Mm. The
2: a reason I walk-on. say that
3: is because I, I chose one about practice because I do think it, it really is what translates and. And the way that he practices is just, it's, it's not what other NBA players are doing. And that's, it's very clear because of how far he separated himself. And um, I think to be able to make 105 threes in a row is just unbelievable. Like the the dedication and practice that he's put into his shot and perfecting it is is what makes him so able to execute on every level on the floor. You can't guard him. And that's and that's why. And I also wanted to say, Jared, he said about Davidson, he said he he chose that school and he chose not to walk on. But he said, like, something that really stood out, too, was that it doesn't matter where you end up committing. Go somewhere that you're going to be happy, because if you're good enough, they'll find you. And they always do walk on, not walk on big school, not big school. They will find you.
1: We talked about it
0: that's today, good. didn't we, Luke?
1: Yes, we did. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: all right, my walk on. Um, uh, I'm not surprised that this one didn't get taken, and I'm glad it didn't. Gonna be goofy. Um, so this is my walk on because it's something that I don't, I don't think I could ever do. Um, unless you know, I just, I just know the bag was thrown at him, and I, I, I have to tip the cap. Give me Steph Curry in the Subway ad because it's well known.
2: <laughs>
0: I hate Subway. and i just don't know how you could do that so i just commend him for the amount of dollars that he's accumulating from that deal. (laughs) i didn't even think about it (laughs) subway steph curry
1: subway steph all right tom what you got Um, man uh i have a few things to say here one
4: um i want to change one of my picks no why this is crazy no, well, I'm just a little disappointed that none of us put it there. I thought it was going to be like the most obvious one, so I didn't what, put it the there. Pull up against OKC? No, well, that one's great. But since Annie and I have a repeat, I want to suggest that I switch my 62 point game to Steph Curry's Madison Square Garden 54 point game. Yeah, on did. my walk on list. Okay. Anyway, now they're out there. Um, Jared, I was surprised you didn't put um, him
1: dropping CP3. Yeah, um, that, well, that's, I mean, I have that on here. The the list I is long. Yeah, I was
4: expecting
2: you. The list long. No. Yeah. Mine,
1: I, okay, mine is. Let's hear yours. And then I can give mine you the honoraries. is.
4: Yeah, there's there's just too many. Mine is um, 20, 20, 2015, here they won the championship. Um, They go down 2-1 to Memphis, win the game, uh, tie it up 2-2. And then pivotal moment in the series, Steph hits a 60-footer then the third quarter to swing all the momentum to get him over the hump, to beat the Grizzlies, to move on, to eventually win the championship.
1: Mm. Great pick. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I got, I got CP touches earth popcorn versus CP, a lot of CP attack. Uh, the, <laughs> the double in and out game winner versus the magic. Twice, Aaron Gordon. Years, yeah. yeah. Uh, 54 at the garden, 73 and nine. Yeah. I had a lot. What about contact lenses stuff? Because that was my
0: backup walk-on. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good one that people don't talk about either. Yeah, my
4: backup walk-on was um, the Oracle hallway splash.
1: Yeah, that was a cool one. Ooh, that's a good one, Tom. I didn't think about that one. The pregame,
4: yeah, that's a good one. I think
2: Mm -hmm.
4: that's crazy. Or the underhand floater over the backboard. Yeah, there's just Yeah,
1: yeah, he's the man talk about a jerk. Yep. No shimmies. We didn't talk about any shimmies either.
3: That was one of my I, that was uh, one of my blackouts. was the no-looks or the shimmy curry.
1: You know, Annie, I haven't sh- I'm not sure if you dabbled in golf yet. I have. Okay.
3: I good. told you I'll meet you on the course, so just, you know, whenever you're <laughs> ready. All right. Sounds <laughs> good.
1: Sounds good. Are we do we both play from the women's tees or what are we doing here? Oh. Or I'm just giving you oh, I'm boy. giving you shots. Anyways, um <laughs> If you're out on the links, you probably have a good day, right? But for me, if I got 30 in my cart and 50 chips in my bag, next time Edgewood won't stand a chance because birdie's on deck when I'm hunting the flag. Nice, real poetic. That
2: was a yeah. good
0: one.
3: I like that one. Yeah. Uh, take yeah. that with you, Annie. Sure Annie
1: looks <laughs> Really confused.
3: Again, narcotics. Can you repeat it?
1: <laughs> no. No, nope. it only no. happens once episode. You have to go back you and can, listen. You can listen to it on Sunday. Yeah,
0: we'll, Here we go.
3: Is this English?
4: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming on today. I mean, I obviously I didn't I didn't know the the full length of your story and I'm I'm amazed truly. Like your mindset and your resilience is is very admirable and I know all our listeners are gonna are gonna be amazed by it as well. So I really appreciate you taking your time to come and share your story. It's it's been incredible. So of appreciate you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Annabelle. Thank yeah,
3: you, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me.
4: Yes, sir. As always, these your favorite walk, and we're walking out.